SBS Radio. Ang patrantong ang dami at Idea 2022, Doctors for Environment Australia's conference exploring climate change, sustainability and public health. And I'm joined by Warren Jerry Waiwarong Elder, Uncle Dave Wandin, after his participation in a panel discussion called First Nations Voices Working Together to Protect Our Country. Uncle Dave, welcome to NITV Radio. Thank you. I'm good. Eye. We're meeting here in the context of uh, IDEA 2022, Doctors for the Environment Australia, where you just made a very, very powerful intervention and sharing also your story about First Nations and um, environmental justice, healing, caring for country. So many issues you touched that were really, really very moving. Can you run us through this for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So today was more about First Nations people or Indigenous people of Australia. But I know that when I talk about healing country uh, creates healthy people, it's not just for Indigenous Australians. It works for all Australians. It's more, it's actually quite evident to me that it's a measurable outcome in people's general health by being allowed to be, or having access to country for fresh air, for exercise, uh, for gathering plants and tubers and grasses and soil and a whole range of things for their, their artistic impressions, you know, which for a long while was stopped. You know, it was illegal for us to go and take a bit of bark off a tree, uh, to dig soil out of the ground to, to, to make our ochre, uh, a whole range of things that wasn't allowed to happen. As we become more through the process of reconciliation, it's been happening for quite a while now, when people are starting to realise that, you know, uh, it's not handouts we want, it's a hand up. And giving us the opportunity to have access to country, to work alongside the, the, you know, the modern world, if you like, uh, and explain to them how we read and see country, and, and our methods don't impact on the outcomes that they want. Our outcomes, both scientific, scientifically, culturally, ecologically, the outcomes and the goals are the same. We all do want the healthiest country that we can possibly have. We want the healthiest air. We want the cleanest energy. You know, we don't want to pollute. Nobody, the average person, wants to deliberately pollute. And I'll even say that even the big corporations don't want to deliberately harm the country or the world. But they don't know any other way to make a profit. Money always talks, ecology ends up walks. And it's a, in our philosophy, we think of the ecology first and the richest comes afterwards. When the ecology is in balance, you have economic stability. Rather than economic growth or sustainability, you have, uh, yeah, you have stability. And if you've got a stable economy, then no one is rich, no one is poor. Because you have a stable health system, you have a stable economy, you have a stable ecology, you have a stable population, you don't have the threatened species where something needs more money because everything is in balance. There was nothing more obvious to me that during the recent COVID pandemic that we've had, that if country was healthier when it was known it needed to be healed, and I'm going back to the 1970s when the scientists were saying there's a problem coming and we need to deal with it. If you have healthy country, 
you have healthy people. If you have healthy people, they are more resistant to disease. And we would never have had COVID in the first place. If the politicians and the big business had got together and said, yes, this is going to cost us a lot of money, then what's it costing them now? All those trillions that they've spent on COVID, if they had have invested that in the environment when they were advised that that would be the best thing to do, we would never have had COVID in the first place. I know that in my own community, all the Aboriginal people in my community do look at COVID as being a blessing. Our boys that are out there working on the land healing country didn't get sick. The work that I do in guiding those boys and informing other communities how they can heal country and being able for me to go out, even though we're restricted to 5Ks, the work that I do on a, a small patch of land that I've got, I've never been healthier in my life because I'm working and living on a very, very small part of Aboriginal-owned, Aboriginal-controlled, healthy country. You shared your story about uh, how you started uh, working on uh, a small 34-hectare piece of land and how it had a very strong healing effect on you. And then you actually, you, the Wurundjeri, why we're wrong, um, land, council. land council ended up becoming something you spawned, started really at an infancy stage, went on to grow, and it's really having a great impact. And I was talking to actually uh, one of your uh, mob last yep. week, yep. Uncle Sean Hunter, oh, yes. after yep. the, your organization won the La- Indigenous Land uh, Management yeah, Indigenous Award. Indigenous National Land Care Award, yeah, not just the Victoria one. Something yeah. you spawned. Tell yeah. us about all yeah. these from there yeah. till today when, uh, you know, you can see yeah. the results. Absolutely. So, yeah, Sean Hunter, who's taken over my role as, as the, uh, I guess, the work supervisor, because uh, he's better at doing all the paperwork. I'm terrible at the ta- paperwork. Um, but, yeah, he never thought that he had a business to come into within the Aboriginal organisation. His background is in Parks Victoria and he'd done amazing work while he was in there. As Parks Vic do support a lot of Aboriginal people. Uh, I'm quite proud of what they do. Um, Yeah, my little thing that started off as something that everybody thought, oh, it's going to, yeah, we've got funding to do a little bit of work for a year, uh, which is something I'm quite sick of, always having to go back for funding. You know, let's build sustainable businesses. And it was, yes, initially just to look after our three little bits of property that we owned. But other people started hearing about us. I don't know how. They started to approach us and they said, oh, you've got this Indigenous you know, ranger team. Uh, what can you do? And I started off with the philosophy. I said, it's not what we can do. It's what, what we look at things is, is nothing is impossible. Miracles take a little bit longer. That is the, the motto of the team. They will take on any work. Although, I've got to admit, we are sick of getting given the really, really sick country that they want us to heal. We don't get to look after the good bits of country to show how not only can it be maintained, but how that can be improved. And that begins to become, uh, like if you were thinking economics, there's your little uh, your bank deposit and you start to gain interest on it. And it grows and grows and grows. And eventually it'll move in to that unhealthy country. So it's a different philosophy to uh, land management, which primarily is all about weed control, pest control, uh, and then going to a nursery and putting more plants in. We have a much deeper 
way of managing country, which is no more expensive, is actually less laborious and has a higher long-term biodiversity benefit. That's why we got the award. Because we started from 10 years ago with something that was expected to fail with three people, now 20-odd people working on the ground, a team of people in admin, researchers, equipment, more jobs than we can handle working for Parks Vic, working for Melbourne Water, working for local councils, private, the, the people who own, uh, who own large blocks of private land, we haven't got the capacity to actually fit in and look after them because people want to see a different way of managing country, not this one single attitude that we can't manage country or a piece of land unless we make money out of it. Yes, we need to make money to you know, pay our guys, pay them a reasonable wage because we've got to train them up. Uh, in modern methods as well, uh, but by showing, as William Barrack said uh, in 1881, so my great-great-uncle, one of the first Aboriginal statesmen here in Victoria, give us this country and we will show you that we can work it. And those boys that won that award this year, the National Indigenous Land Care Awards, are showing the country, and it is working the way that it should. And you're also working with universities, showing them, helping them to work on land because you have the knowledge of this country. Yeah. And there's one thing you mentioned that's really very, very important that people are not aware of and they should be aware of is uh, the native grasses. You said only 1% of native grass in Victoria is still around. So 99% has been destroyed. That, that's absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's astonishing figures. And I say 1% because it's very hard for people to, to think about less than 1%. But it is actually less than 1% of the grasslands that are left in Victoria. And within those grasslands was not only a lot of food for our threatened species, it was also a lot of food for my community, for all Aboriginal communities, which we no longer have access to. You know, our vegetables... Uh, which is definitely you know, really something very hard to find. Our, our seeds for making our breads, uh, our different flowers and cakes and things like that. You know, we, we weren't opportunistic pickers of fruit and knockers of kangaroos on the head. Yeah. But we can't get those foods anymore. Yeah. We, there's lots of money for threatened species. There's lots of money for threatened orchids, for the pretty flowers, you know, for the cute little cuddly animals. But there's so much that's lost out of the biodiversity through the destruction of the grasslands, let alone what we're doing to the forests. Forests can actually recover quite quickly, but our grasslands are being built over. So I'm not saying we should put more money into grasslands or more money into forestry. We just need to put more money into the ecology, into the environment, but we need to think about returning the biodiversity. Because a lot of those uh, plants and animals that are no longer there are actually now changing the structure of the Australian soil itself. And it will take an adaptation of our traditional ways of managing land plus modern technology to actually maintain that soil to what it needs to be. Otherwise, we will see a continuing decline, decline, decline. So people will say, oh, we've slowed the process of degradation. But you know, at the end of 2050, they're going to be saying, well, we slowed it down, but we, but we couldn't stop it. Well, that's not true. Even if you can stop, they need to be working on how can we reverse the decline, not just slow it down so that we can come up with a new solution later on. Uncle Dave Wandin, you're really a living library. 
before I let you go, I just want to give you the mic and give us a closing word. There's so many things to talk about that you really covered there. I was just mesmerized and just kept listening. But maybe just summarize for us what you said and uh, the biggest message to take away for our listeners. Yeah. Please, a closing word. So my closing words are, as I say for everybody that I talk to, it is only by walking country together that we can learn together off each other that we can begin to heal country. And as we heal country, we will find that we are healing ourselves as a people. And all the problems that, that beset modern humanity will seem inconsequential over time as we walk together. Thank you. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. 